And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to The Approach. I am your host, Jeremy Seaholm. And I'm Danny Finn. Episode 11. 11, yes, I remember. <laughs> I decided to uh, look back before you said it just so I could get one in since I haven't been counting. And I always make fun of you, so I figured what the hell, I'll, I'll grab one and say 11 after this I'm done. Yeah, uh, we have we have Alfie Johnson today. Yeah, that, you know we were trying to get Alfie for a while. Of course, we were trying to get him in for uh, the big tournament he's got going on. That's going to be the big YouTube show. Gave a lot more insight into it than even I realized that he was looking into the whole camera crew and everything else. So that was really exciting to talk to him about. Understandable why it took so long to get him. What did he say? It was almost two hours. Yeah, he, he was. I know he works. Up near Hampton Beach or at at Hampton Beach, yeah, it's right on the right on the yeah. strip there. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was great that he was able to make the trip out. Absolutely, we we definitely appreciate that. So we have Alfie coming in, um, and then of course we're going to do you know, spare thoughts at the end. Yep, and uh, we're going to have a little bit of a uh, some breaking news. Your breaking news? I have breaking news. Is it as good as me watching Twister? Uh, Is there a Twister two? Because Lexi will be so excited if you announce that there's a Twister two. I don't think there's going to be a twist or two, but there will definitely be a twist. Ooh. It's All a right. twist. So I have to wait over an hour to hear this breaking news. Yeah, it'll be over an hour. Okay. Alfie, thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. It's a long, I know. It's it a was long, a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you're no stranger to, to traveling, being from the western part of the state. Yeah, no, not at all. I just traveled every single tournament I could get in. Yeah. Starting out with, with like, 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 Jutris, Jeff Atkins... You know, we all, well, a lot of us drove together, but Jutris was my my mentor, and uh, literally, um, I don't know how many stories I can tell you about Jutris, or just phenomenal guy. But uh, I was an angry bull, like we were just talking about the guy at the desk out there, for about a year or so, year and a half, and then Jutris took me under his wing. I don't know if you want to hear any stories about of course. Like, how this all happened. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I um. A friend of mine uh, that I was bowling with at the State Bowl, he said to me, Alfie, you don't belong in this league. You've got you to gotta go somewhere else. I never even thought about it. So I went down to Midtown. It was Jeff Atkins, uh, Charlie Jutris, Johnny Miller, like these big, big name guys I used to watch on TV. I was never on TV ever at that point. So I was bowling. Like, and Midtown was a tough house. And I was bowling like, up to like 15 or 116. And Jutras approached me, and I couldn't believe it. It was like, say, if you're a, a kid and you're bowling and Tommy Olsen walked up to you, that was the same right. feeling that I'm sure that kid would get that I had. I couldn't believe he's talking to me. And uh, <clears throat> he says, you know, you're a pretty good bowler. He says, uh, there's a pro tour that goes around, blah, 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 a local pro tour, you should get on it. It's not that expensive, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, my, like I know Jutras from TV and my parent, my father knew him and Charlie would lose on purpose to get you back on the next string. That's how good this guy really was. Right, I've heard that. Yeah, and um, so the next week, he comes back and I got the nerve to walk up to him. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm in my 30s, so it's not like I'm young here, you know what I mean? Because I didn't start till I was in my 30s to get into this kind of stuff. I says, hey Charlie, I said, uh, you know, how'd, how'd that tournament go? He goes, you're not gonna believe it. He said, I had to, literally had to walk off the alley after two a uh, couple of my boxes, the guy next to me threw five strikes in a row. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm sitting in my head like, what? And he goes, yeah, he threw a 246. 
and it was in Ralph Sem through that 246 or five, whatever it is. And Charlie literally had walked off the alleys to give the guy how class he's at. Yeah. So the guy could just keep going. So I said to him, wow, I said, that guy must have won the tournament. He goes, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you want me to bowl in this tournament? And, and I didn't realize it was a ladder, yeah. you know, top five. I didn't know yeah. nothing about it. So then, um, and it just makes me feel like I'm bragging, but there's no other way to say it. About a month later, he said, you know, there's a 10 stringer up in Pittsfield. He said, it's like 50 bucks to get in to win $1,000. And he said, why don't you take a ride with me? We'll go up and, you know, check it out. I'm like, all right, I, I owned a bar then and I was you know, doing a lot of work. And he goes, uh, so I get up there and after the, in the 10th string, I was working on a strike and I'm not really paying attention to it so much. I was just bowling. And he comes up to me and he says, him and uh, the guy who ran the tournament, he says, you know, Al, he said, if you throw a double here, you can win this. I'm like, what? And I said, well, I didn't mean it. Then I said, what would I throw a damn double? Not a damn double, but a double. <laughs> and, um, and then I threw a couple more marks. I ended up throwing a 1330 and uh, won the thing. It was $1,000. And that was just like, uh oh. Yeah. The whole thing just opened up for me. So after that, Charlie, and then I stunk for a few years. It didn't stink, but uh, when I got on the Pro Tour, it was overwhelming. I can imagine. I don't care who you are. You know, you're looking at also, you're looking at guys, Peter Flynn, Jack Sanick, Paul Berger. Yeah. Um, I, there's all these, there's so many of them. In we, keep running, we keep running into that where people just, they can't think of names and then they rattle them and, off. And later. I say it every podcast, what's going to happen as soon as we end the interview, we're going to go out and you're going to say, you know who I forgot to say? Yeah. It happens every well, time. Well, it was Tim Lipke. I remember watching him. He was he threw like eight marks and nine marks in a row. Jesus. And um, it was at Fairway. Oh, yeah. And they had a tournament there. And I'm like, holy smokes. I says, uh, so what happened for me was, the anger went away with Jutras. He didn't just tell, he didn't tell me and he showed it to me. Yeah. And he was one of the funniest guys in the world. I remember traveling with him in a couple of, a couple of events. My favorite one with him was not the bowling, it was this guy's attitude towards winning or losing. Cashing was a thing, like I think I said it to you. Yeah. You know, cashing, he said, you're not trying to win this, you're trying to cash, you're gonna get your money back and make money. He said, the wins will come in. So, but this this event, we were going up to Vermont, and it was a channel, I, uh, not a TV roll-off, it was, maybe it was a TV roll-off. So we, we get there, and Charlie goes, you know, Al, I think I get the f high five in this house. And I'm like, I'm, Charlie, you probably got high fives in lots of houses. And he goes, uh, no, no, I think I got the high five in here. So I walk in, what's your name? I said, Al Johnson. He says, you're bowling today? I said, yeah, yeah. And that was it. He wrote me down, and Charlie says to him, hey, young fella. It's the way he literally talked to everybody. A young fella. He says, who's got the high five in this house? And the kid's eyes all light up and he goes, oh, Charlie Dutras does. He was here a few years ago and boy, he just killed everybody. And he's when a thing up on the wall, it's right over there. He broke the high five, this and that. And he says, are you bowling today, sir? And he says, yes, I am. He says, what is your name? He says, Charlie Dutras. So I, it was like one of the funniest things. But that's how that guy was. Yeah. And another story we went to, I think we were in New Hampshire some tournament. No, it was a TV roll-off for the Channel 40 in Western Mass. And we're walking up. We got out of my car, and these two guys pull up in a car. And they looked at us both, and they said, are you guys bowling today? Charlie goes, yes, young fella. 
you might as well just stay in your car and save some money and go home. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they did. They did. <laughs> they did. And guess what? Charlie won the tournament. That's so amazing. he did save him money, and I just thought that was hilarious. So. Now, did you bowl as like a youth? I know you said you started competitively in your 30s, but. Well, I was, I had a, you know, pretty sketchy youth. But um, I used to go to a bowling alley, the X lanes, where I hung around. Like, not the lanes, but that area. And I liked bowling. Mm. So I was I didn't know I was good. You don't know when you're like, you know, I yeah. think I was twelve or thirteen. Now it might have been thirteen or fourteen at this point. And I just went and throw some balls, the strings were like ten cents. You know, and uh some guys playing pinball, I bowled. So the owner comes up to me and she says, uh, you know, there's a TV roll off in West Springfield. Um, if you want to go, it's a kid's show. Or no, she didn't say, she just said it's a TV roll-off. I didn't know it was a kid's show at the time, right. actually. So I says, okay. She goes, I'll fix it all so, you know, you're, we're covered. I have no clue what she's saying. But I wasn't in the league. I didn't have an average. I didn't have nothing. She just would watch me bowl and go, you know, how would you like to represent the lanes? And I went, so I took my bicycle over, crossed over the bridge, Springfield, and, went to the uh, downtown, not downtown lanes, uh, the West Springfield lanes up on the second floor. So I go in there and I bought some shoes and I you know, paid 10 cents for the shoes, whatever it was. And I used the alley balls and I, there was, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15 kids there. And uh, I threw a 373. And <laughs> I'll never forget this as long as I live. So I walked up to the desk afterwards and I said, excuse me, I said, uh, I rode here on a bicycle. Now, I don't know if I'll be able to carry this TV on my bike all the way back. <laughs> and the lady goes, you don't win a television, you're going on television. I'm like, I don't want to go on television. <laughs> and I don't know, wait, where is it? She's in Boston, I'm, like, I'm 15 or 14, whatever I was. But um, that's how, and then I stopped. Man, the whole world just kind of flipped for me. Then I got a job at Mass Mutual and they had a league. And uh, I bowled in there for about a year. Then I moved to Cape Cod, and then uh, I was just messing around being young. I mean, really messing around being young. Waiting table, enjoying the beach. I did that for a few years. And then before I left, I decided to hit that bowling alley there. And I called up this guy, Bill Surad, who was like a mentor to me at the whole thing, at, uh, at my work. And I said, hey, Bill, I just threw a 620 for five strings. And I had no clue if that was good or bad. I really didn't. And he goes, there's no way you threw a 620. And I'm like, well, I did. I think I missed scores. He's like, there's no way. So, and then I hadn't seen that guy for years after that. But then I had to clean my life up. I came back. I was 27. I don't know if you guys, everybody wants to hear the story, but I was living outside in a parked car and uh, drinking way too much, blah, blah, blah. My friends were, you know, lawyers and on and on. I'm 27 years old. I said, time to stop. So I won't go into the rest of it because <laughs> there's a lot to it. But um, I decided to start bowling again. A guy I had to go see once a week, if you understand what I'm saying. He was a bowler and they bowled at the X lanes. So I had to go see him there and I started bowling again. And then, uh, and then it, it turned into going to Midtown, like I already said. And, uh, and from there after that, it was just, I really still didn't think I was really that good. But when I made Channel 5, that was a big switch. And then uh, I got on the local pro tour, and I beat Jeff Atkins, I think, in my 
in the, you know, the top five, you, you bowl off. And that was to me like, I just beat God. Jeff Atkins, one of the best bowlers I have ever seen. How, how he's not in the Hall of Fame is beyond yeah. me. Well, the, the problem with me with the Hall of Fame, this one, just me, I don't know what everybody else thinks, is um, usually in most Hall of Fames, they have all your stores, you know, they know who you are. Right. Um, these guys sit down and vote. Does this guy belong in, belong in? I mean, you watch baseball, you watch football. These guys are wondering if I'm going to get in, I'm going to get in. they got to get votes. Right. They make us go do it. And then they decide. So I just thought it was kind of upside down that the way you said Jeff Atkins, I'm like, this guy averaged 140 in the 20 stringer. He's got the world's record for it. He's been on TV who knows how many times. He's had a high single record for years for five something or a high triple. And um, how is that just not enough? I mean, for a guy like him. But as a captain of a team, he was stunning. Um, I think I don't know if I told you the story already. I'm a, we were in the world's the first year. Jeff was a gambler, he liked to gamble a lot. But I didn't really know that then. But uh, I had a bad first day. So I'm looking for him at the hotel, and he's in the pool. So I go down there, and he swims up to me, and I'm leaning over talking to him. I remember like it was yesterday. And he says, uh, I says, Jeff, I don't know what to do. I said, I just can't seem to, you know, find anything in here. You know, I'm throwing a 106, 107s and stuff. He looks at me, and he goes, Al, don't get mad at me, but you need to know this. You aren't a team bowler. You're a singles bowler. You get up there and bowl the singles, you're gonna right. do fine. I'm like, I was really heartbroken when he told me I wasn't a team bowler. I'm like, yeah, you know, all right. But anyways, uh, the next day, we bowled uh, two matches. And um, I looked over after the second match, and Jeff is getting some money from one of the guys from Maine. So I said, oh, Jeff, you, would you bet him on uh, winning that match? He goes. No, I bet him that you were going to bowl back-to-back 400s. <laughs> and I did. So yeah, that's smart. So well, I know uh, when we had Tommy Olston, he talked about that the era kind of changed a little bit. He said he brought up Canadians are very team-oriented versus exactly. Americans, especially when he was bowling. He said, you know, when I wanted to beat you, it wasn't, you know, me and my four buddies are going to beat you and your four buddies. It was, I'm going to beat you on the lanes. So I think there was a lot more of that singles aspect to it, especially then, too. It did flip for me. Yeah. I mean, um... Dick O'Connell, there's a guy. Oh my God! Yeah. In my opinion, and I would, couldn't, I would, I would say a lot of teams would concur. At, at those height of those days, there was no better leadoff man than that guy. He was unbelievable. They used to sing. Yeah. The, uh, the Canadians would sing at you. And so, Dickie O, <laughs> they wouldn't sing for him because he's throwing bam, bam, bam. He threw like four marks in a row. So, and they're singing at him, and he goes, keep singing every time you get up. <laughs> Would you believe it? He marks again two more times. The next one's they stop singing. And he opened and opened it. <laughs> it rocks. But it was, well, then we came up with our own music. And Thank You Very Much was from an old musical. And I brought that up uh, at a team meeting. And we were going to sing, let's sing when they miss a single, because they would go, you're going to miss, you're going to miss, you're going to miss it. You know, like, so I said, well, let's do our own. And it was from uh, Scrooge, the, the song. And so we started singing when they missed a single. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. And uh, yeah, so they, um, 
They stopped singing that about two years later. <laughs> there was no more singing. I think Worlds needs more than I know there was a mixed Worlds where there was a team that they sang Baby Shark every time they got a mark or something like that. But there needs yeah. to be more of that. That's entertaining. I As a spectator, that's entertaining. Yeah. And they used to sing, like, um, I don't know who came up with it. And again, it's about me. and. It, but it, it really energized me. It was If you hear him, Stevie Reno still does it. If I'm up in the lane, she'll sing my name. L.P. Johnson. Like the Carl Yastrzemski song. Yeah, but he would sing that, and then the whole team started singing it. So every time I'd get up, I'd have to wait till they were done. <laughs> well, you guys shut down, you know what I mean? But uh, it was an honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I mean, that, that the world's event was grueling. You do not want to stand next to Peter Flynn in the Worlds. No. This guy was unbelievable, like Stevie Reno. Yeah. Stevie Reno one year with the Iowa was 132, I believe, in, in, that, in that thing. And you're like, I don't want to stand next to him. <laughs> I mean, you've got to start out with a 70 half, yeah. 65, 70 half, just to even get anywhere. But the thing with um, what I learned from Peter Flynn and to this day, that guy's focus was stunning. The whole world seemed to just be not there no more. And I got lucky and, uh, and got to do that. And, like, and many times that I've won tournaments or I've, I've you know, had a big score like the 15-25, uh, like the I remember throwing two balls, just two. And one was, Jutras was marking, and I asked him how to hit. I had the eight pin and the 10 pin, where there's a piece of wood just sitting on the left. You could just see the left side of that cap of the wood. And Charlie said, if you hit the left side of that, yeah, that should go. Bam, boom. And then the other one was, uh, Charlie was there and again. He goes, Alf, uh, you need a mark in this last box. And I'm like, for what? And I actually did not know where I was in the score. Yeah. Because they, they did it different. The things were on paper. And right. They weren't singing it out. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting a diamond. And I picked, obviously, I picked it. And I was like, that's a scary shot to be picking. But those are the only two. Uh, that I remember in, in the 1483 that I had previous to that record uh, before um, Steve Adnay through the 1520 um, was uh, going up to Zernike and I said, John, you know, I don't think your dad likes me. He says, that's because I had a 1480 <laughs> and you just beat me. I'm like, oh, okay, makes sense. For, the, for those who aren't understanding, that, that's for 10 strings. That's yeah. 150 average. Yeah. Do you do you remember what the high your high game was that strength that I look at it sometimes I had a couple you know, seven couple seventies I had a one eighty I believe I don't know I was just thinking about what I'd have to look at the scores when we had Craig on he said nothing spectacular just a bunch of sixties and seventies I think yeah. about that a lot so you're not you're not one that typically watches the score no actually when I'm if I'm in my the world I seem to get into. I don't look at anything. I, I don't want to hear. I can't hear you. Mm -hmm. um, I've had some people like, Al, Al, yell at me. And I'm like, what? Because you're, you're going to, and I think that's when I've always done my best bowling in that trance. Sounds strange, but you're just focused. And again, you watch Peter Flynn in the world. I don't know how he did that focus, right. but he always did it.
I can't do that. I'm always looking up at the score. I'm doing math in my head. If he gets this, I need that. And, but then, you you know, Paul Berger didn't know what he needed. For, and he said great that he didn't know that he needed the nine at the end for the 500. Amy Doobie, when she threw the world record 480, she said she had no idea. When they told her she had a world record, she thought they were talking single, and she knew she didn't have that. Like, it's it's funny that all these high scores seem to be thrown a lot of times when people are just focusing on the ball in their hand, the pin's 60 feet away, not, yeah. you know, the score that's above their head or behind. No, so, the so that's my problem. It's my problem. I mean, maybe you'd be a good bowler if you stopped looking at the score, Jeremy. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, it is true that life, um, people have to tell me how you're done. You know, yeah. Like, what? What? Hell, there's not 11 boxes. <laughs> you're done. I got lucky um, that that happened to me. I didn't even notice it for a long time. All of a sudden, somebody's just sitting to me, oh, you, you know, you're talking to you. I'm like, what? I didn't hear a thing. It's just, uh, I don't know, the game is what you want it to be in your head. Right. Everybody says to me, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I say, guys, it's in your head. You have the talent to bowl. This might, when Bernie Annie asked me, you're a talented bowler. You're throwing a 118, 117 average. That's great. Well, I want to get. Well, then it's in your head. You know what to do. Right. You just got to mentally get there. Right. Right. I mean, even Jeremy has said it as much here, where you seem to have a lower average in this house than anywhere else, and part of that is because he works here. Oh yeah, you're so, getting interrupted all the time. Not, not just interrupted, but you're always you hear a sound in the back. It's so easy to be distracted by everything that's going on around you. You're in charge, so you got to make sure did, right. did something double load? Is there a ball stuck back there? Is something grinding out? Is a motor burning out? You're not just thinking about the spare right. leave you have. True. So it is tough to just shut everything off around you and become that better bowler. But then you bowl on other things and, you know, five, six pence higher. So you know I'm terrible I, everywhere, so I don't have this problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of terrible now. It's just sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm not. I but, heard a uh, very terrible. Final four finish in the doubles pro, I heard. Yeah, but Jeremy still beat me that one strike. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, well, Richie Myrick was, he pulled that off. We won one a couple of years ago, and Richie Myrick pulled that off, too. I was just fortunate, you know, just to be with him. You know, it was, uh, I mean, I know it's a process with the two of you, but yeah. when the time stepped up, Myrick stepped up. It, it was, I'm serious, he was yep. like, and we're bowling Craig Holbrook and him. Yeah. And these aren't two, yeah, two okay regular boys. dudes, <laughs> especially Holbrook. And, uh, Craig was the first guy I ever beat on TV, <laughs> so I don't know if I ever. So that's what, that's what doomed you. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but I mean, just I mean, also I mean, the match itself was fun because I mean, Richie is one of the people that I consider. I mean, I can count on maybe a hand and a half my really good friends in this game, and he's one of them. So I always enjoy bowling him. I love you. You're you're awesome. Just you're just a funny guy. Like you're you're great to be around. You're a positive guy. It's also super exciting. We had Richie on the podcast to hear. I mean, he he had some struggles, you know, while we were shut down. To to be coming back as good as he is is so exciting to see. I actually called that. Yeah. Because when things, something happens to you like that, your focus goes onto what you love to do. Yeah. And he's he come back like when well, I got. No, like I couldn't. I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. But he, he's, he, I'll never forget, I got a, a messenger from him a few years ago when we first with the doubles, and he goes, and Jutris had died you know, before that, but he goes, hey, he knew my uh, Achilles heel would be, would be that. I think he did, I don't know, I'm just yeah. guessing. But he, uh, he said, Al, you know, you want to bowl a doubles tournament, blah, 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 I'm in Portsmouth. He said, you know, we can win one for Charlie, and I'm like, all right. Can't say no. <laughs> but we didn't win, but every time I bowled with the guy, we, we didn't ever. We cashed. Yep. We didn't cost us nothing. Right. So it was fun. And uh, 
And the first one was in um, Lakeside. And uh, I had a ball. I met a lot of the older guys that I used to bowl with. And uh, I didn't realize, <laughs> for me, I was out of the game. I ran into some personal stuff, <clears throat> which I wish I could have not done because I would have stayed in the game. I got out of the game for like 13, 14 years. Mm -hmm. And I was at my prime. I had just thrown a 468 on TV. They canceled the show. And uh, Tommy came up to me right after I threw that score. Again, I don't remember nothing in that score. I don't remember zero. I don't remember throwing the ball. But because uh, you just stay in that world. I remember I saw it on, on, a, on, a, on, a, um, on YouTube and I had a towel over my head. I just didn't even care what was going on. I just right. was going to just bowl. But anyways, uh, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, Alf. I hate to tell you this, but they canceled the show. <laughs> like, what? And he's like, yeah. I was like, holy smokes. But the funniest thing with Tommy, I was working at Mohegan Sun. I hadn't been bowling in a while. And I was a supervisor, manager in the beverage department. And I'm walking over to a bar. And one of the bartenders who's going to that bar comes up and catches up to me. He says, hey, Al Johnson. He says, you think you're a pretty good bowler, huh? I'm like, I'm in Connecticut. <laughs> I said, that was all right. And he goes, I know somebody better than you. I said, okay. He says, Tommy Olster. I said, yeah, that's true. I said, yeah, he's better than me. I said, uh, how do you know Tommy Olster? He goes, he's my brother. Oh, wow. So it was really neat the way he set it up. So I had sent that uh, little thing to uh, Tommy's wife on the Facebook. She said, Tommy loved that. So that, was, that was pretty cool. Talking about your 467, you did that against who would end later on be one of my one of my mentors that kind of brought me into the pro. Real nice man. Uh, Paul Willits. Yeah. And I remember we're sitting at the at the restaurant after bowling one night, and we were talking about Channel 5, and he's like, I, had, I made Channel 5 once. He goes... And the guy against me throws 470. <laughs> He's like, he goes, what do you do? <laughs> Again, like one of the nicest people. Yeah, kind, and he was very kind at the end. He threw a great third string. Yeah. Um, I think he just needed to settle down. I didn't, again, I didn't know what he even threw. Because I didn't, uh, after that, um, I didn't get to see the show. A lot of things happened to me. And uh, like my, my businesses were, you know, I, I lost a lot of stuff. So I had to go somewhere, and I ended up, you know, in Connecticut. And um, I really wish, to this day, that I had stayed bowling. I think I could have uh, maybe I'd be in the Hall of Fame sooner. <laughs> I don't know, just getting, just getting there. So you obviously have the drive and the love for the game. You took that 13-year span off. What brought you back into the game? I um, I got fired from my job in Connecticut. Um, and uh, I was running a club and bartending at Mohegan Sun, and uh, my best friend owned that club and another one in Springfield, Mass. So they sold it, and he said, Alf, and I had gotten sick. Um, I had a, a big tumor in my neck, and I had chemo and radiation. That's, again, that's where I'm glad you guys are having this for me to, to push my charity. Mm -hmm. um, and when I got the chemo and radiation, I was down to 129 pounds. And they sold the place, and he said, Alfie, just come up here. So they bought the uh, a charity casino where 35% of the gross every day goes to a charity. So for years, when I was in my, uh, I had, can you imagine a tournament now 
that Sony puts together for $1,000. They have a team of it. And all the top candlepin bowlers back then showed up just for this event. And then we had a thing. We raised in, uh, in three years, I believe three events, we raised $18,000 for multiple sclerosis. Now my, I, I had another reason for that, um, to try to push our sport mm -hmm. into charity events, uh, having charities sponsor us, um, having every other sport on the planet. I don't care what you see, this goes as a charity, this is a charity. And we're the only one who didn't. Right. And I've heard this from other bowlers, and that's where I got the idea from, and that wasn't mine. And uh, so when I got up here, I went, and, uh, I was working, and a guy says, hey, Al, you're Al Johnson. I says, yeah, he goes, you know, they're doing the, the Worlds over in uh, Academy. I'm like, what? He goes, it's not in Bangor anymore? He says, no, no, there's been something that happened, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, no kidding. So I, I drove over there, and I, and I didn't realize, I didn't think anybody even knew who I was. You know, I've been gone for a game, I'm up in New Hampshire. Well, now I'm in Mass, but I'm in New Hampshire. And I walk into bowling, and the place is full of people, and the first guy I see is Peter Flynn, he's bowling. I said, wow, Peter's still bowling. And then, again, I was still only under 29 pounds then. And some kid walked by me, and he goes, Al Johnson. I'm like, how are you? He says, you left two pins up on the deck that last match, went two pins in the whole show. I'm like, I don't know that. I don't even know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> and um, it was at 467, or whatever it was. You're right. And um, I was like, wow, the kid knew me, so. I wanted to bowl again, and I went outside, and I was talking to uh, the chief and uh, Peter and Carrington and Ashline and a bunch of the, the, the heavyweight guys that, that I dealt with. You know, they were just happy to see me, and it just made me feel like a million dollars. So this is kind of a funny story. So a little while later, I had gotten better. I had gained some weight. And I'm talking to some guy who bowls in, in, uh, at, at one of the gaming tables. He says, you know, there's a bowler, and you're a bowler, blah, blah, blah. I says, yeah. He goes, well, we got a league over in, uh, oh, what's that place? Uh, I forget the name of the bowling alley, but um, he says, you know, why don't you come and do that? So I'm like, okay. So he said, I'm, I'm gonna start again. So this was like four years ago. And uh, so I get in this league and there are a bunch of people who weren't so good and, um, and looking at it as well. So I go practice and I threw a 360, 370, whatever. I was bowling and, um, Andrew, um, oh, oh, was it, oh, was it Leo's? Leo's, okay. yeah. So I looked at a counter and he looks at me and he goes, who are you? And I said, no, no, Mrs. Inali, I used to bowl years ago, I'm just coming back in it. He goes, you look familiar. I said, well, I used to be on TV but sometimes. And he goes, oh, anyways. So I go over to the thing and uh, I throw a 360, I don't know what I threw in this league. And then I'm going out and I'm just, actually Andy come over and yelled to me, Jesus, he says, your name's on our wall. <laughs> like, I said, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to, I don't feel like, I didn't know what to do. I was all brand new again. And so I left, I ended up, he's like a doubles partner. We're, we do summer leagues together, me and him. Oh, nice. He's a wicked nice guy. And um, so then after that, two days later, the guy who got me into the league comes into the bar where I'm working, I'm working the front bar at the casino. He opens the door and he says, you can't bowl in that league. I'm like, okay. He goes, I, I said, I tried to tell you I used to be good. He's like, yeah, well, they don't want you in the league. They're, I said, okay. So I had to find somewhere else. 
But uh, back to, uh, if you don't mind, um, the, the casino, I finally talked to somebody. I said, can I get a charity in here? They're like, yes. So I went to my lawyer, a lawyer, I, I hired a guy, and he did it for free. He okay. set up this whole thing. This lawyer was a cool, great, great guy. Wow. Uh, Baldessari is his last name. And um, he says, Al, I usually do this stuff for blah, blah, blah. So I gave him $500 for the paperwork and all that. That's all he charged me. It takes two years to be viable. So I was getting money and pins that I, I made. And uh, my goal is now, it wasn't really the TV show at the time. It was still the same to try to get us guys in New England, that's where it is. Yeah. And I, I, I felt that I could hit all bowling alleys and candle pins for cancer. It's about us. It's about um, getting our game going, yep. having tournaments at, for a charity at the same time. So I get 35% of 10 days uh, in the casino. So if they do uh, 10,000, I'd get 3,500. So I, they haven't done that much, but that was a good example. But I procured some good money. I've also given away around eight or nine thousand dollars in the past. Uh, I won't tell you who. I'm not going to tell you who. So I just send it to people who ask, mm -hmm. and some of them are candle pin bowlers. Is what was my intention. Now this charity isn't. The money doesn't go to anybody, but a person. I don't take a dime. Um, I, I even, when I'm filing uh, the yearly things, I don't, I pay for that. It's not an I thing, but it, the whole thing is if it's a charity, it's a charity. Right. So uh, what I do is um, I'm grabbing some of that money from the casino money and I'm setting up these events while still taking a piece of that money and, and giving to charitable events, promoting the charity and the game. What better way to do it? Guys who travel all over right. New England bowling. Right. You know what I mean? So now with you guys doing this for me, uh, it's called Candle for Cancer. Uh, if anybody wants to send any donations, it's at uh, 467 High Street, unit number eight, Hampton, New Hampshire, 03842. But the more this grows, I have a, a whole thing in my head. I've had it for years and years of how this could work is now they become charity events. We put it in newspapers. We can go to maybe, um, uh, well, not ESPN, yeah, what's it? Uh, Nessun. 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 And maybe go back to Nesson because I'm watching guys fish a lot of times on Nesson. We talked about this, yeah. I believe. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. And the funny thing, you mentioned that to me, and when I'm, we got Nesson on at the bar, and there's that guy fishing. Yeah. And I'm like, he's right. I mean, with the New England is, candle pins is only in New England. They really should just leave that show on because it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. Put some bowling on because it's New England. It's our sport. Yeah. New Englanders know this. And uh, I, I'm just, but I believe with the charities and getting some uh, people starting to know this isn't fake. It's, it's just a real, real thing. And um, the other thing with my charity is not a dime will go to any cancer societies, nothing that. This is strictly to help somebody uh, recovering from chemo and radiation. You're in bed for at least a month, minimum, depending on what kind of chemo radiation you get. I know this because I went through that. And you can't pay your rent, you can't get food, and some of that stuff when you have a tube in your stomach is pretty expensive to pour down that tube. Yeah. And um, so that's all it is. So the money I'm spending is either 1000 1500 you know, what I, I can put out at that time, but it's not gonna be some big money where it was gonna anything, but it's, it's to help somebody for a month. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why I can help more people by that type of thing. And that's why it's strictly chemo and radiation or someone uh, helping with maybe funeral cross, something like that, especially in a bowling community. Right. And I would like them to contact me uh, because we are gonna, we're expanding the casino to get in more machines. And the deal with the machines and now the table games uh, that they're figuring out, and I'm pretty sure it's done, is instead of 35%, they're gonna go to 50. That could help our game immensely. Right. It could get more of these younger kids in. Now with the TV show we wanna do, that I would like you to um, you know, be the, the master guy on it, the, the, the commentator, because uh, I need guys who are gonna be knowledgeable in the game. I don't wanna have a guy from the outside doesn't really know the game. And I've watched some of the shows. I'm not condemning that every Candlepin Bowling show in the world is great for me. I'll, yeah. You know, I'm happy. It's really, really good. But what I'd like is a guy commentating, maybe a color guy and using another pro, things like that. It's going off to a slow start, which is okay, until we get the first one going. Mm -hmm. But then the Candlepins for Cancer will get more, more play. It's going to be on YouTube. It's Sunday uh, the 19th at 11 a.m. We have approximately 30 guys now, but we're having a little trouble getting our tape date uh, where we're gonna tape it. Right. But um, it's, it's got the four cameras, it's gonna have slow motion, it's got, um, Frank did show me, sent me a film of what the, something they already did, and I thought it was fantastic. He, he does did a crystal great, clear. Yeah, he does a great job. Unbelievably good job, and he's got Brendan O'Dowd with him. So these two guys combined, I think we got a home run. And I'm bringing on uh, Richie Myrick, to help every now and then, he's Richie said, and um, also uh, Steve Reno said, Alfie, I don't want anything. Just, I just like to be there helping you guys do it, and that's how Candlepin Bowlers are. That's right. the beauty of our game. Right. And uh, I think it would be success mainly for us. And in the meantime, we're doing a charity. So I could go to a congressman, I could go to a senator or somebody like that, and push, you know, try to get some uh, political influence. Probably not, but anyways, hey, doesn't have to I'm not going to not try. And um, that's where we are right now. You know, I mean, we've, I've done some events and helped some events. Uh, I ran an event for, when I first started for the Worlds to raise money for them uh, through the charity. And, um, you know, that was for with Rob up in, uh, in uh, Exeter. Exeter, yeah. And that's one of the best owners I've ever seen, that guy. Oh yeah, my God. yeah. That, I, I think that's a mutual consensus from the entire Candlepin exactly. community. They might know him in California. From <laughs> <laughs> and we've had, we had Nate on. Um, we haven't aired that one, but he was on no. talking about the mixed worlds, how you guys partnered up with that as well. And they did a 50-50, which kicked back into the charity, I believe, as well. Right. So it's good to see that the money's kind of flowing both ways. And then also, like you said, it's kind of this upward swelling of the bowling community as a whole, the bowling family. I mean, Tommy can push in how the, the bowling community really is a family. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for it. I think, you know, the more, if you keep partnering up with other tournaments, I'm sure even like New England Candlepins would of course. give, you know, shout outs to it. You know, I, I know I messaged you a couple years ago about partnering up with our tournament out on the bear. Yeah. Um, you know, the more that we can do as a, as a community, I think is great for the game. Well, that's why I was saying if, if I get more income from this 50% thing, because um, that place has grown in 10 years, like, yeah. like amazingly. And I was just happy to be there. And um, But I wish I had gotten the idea sooner to get in there. But um, better late than never. Um, I got to be careful when I'm donating or, you know, sponsored by Candlepins for Cancer. Um, because I, 
you know, big chunk of this money is going to people. Oh, of course. And you know, so, I even just a shout out on the show, mate, because oh. it's on all the local access channels. Right, absolutely. You might get some donations coming your way as well. Yeah, it, it's not, again, uh, I, I can't say this enough. We don't take any money. Right. Um, I have a good job. <laughs> but um, the point is, again, it's for somebody recovering from chemo and radiation. A lot of them. Yeah. The family alone and just, just something and, and it makes them smile. I mean, I got a, a, a card, a, a response from a guy, he just couldn't believe it. You know, I got a response from another girl who thought it was fake. You know, she, a friend of hers told me about this other person and they knew me, so I sent something and she goes, she called her up and said, is this a fake check? And uh, and then I got in touch with the girl, I said, no, no, no. It's good. It's a, it's, a, it's a a charity. So you know, blah blah blah. Um, and then I leave it at that. Nobody knows nothing. I don't want nobody to know nothing. Right. I think it's better that way. Right. And it's it's way better. And um, but other than that, my bowling. I'm pretty happy. I met Richie. Uh, my Rick. <laughs> I got to win a tournament a couple of years ago. And uh, there's so many stories about bowling, but the, you know, you 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 guys are gonna have them. You know, I mean, eventually, uh, you know, we had John Tyberski, this big giant guy bowler, pulled with us in the first world. He was like 6'4", <laughs> tall guy. I mean, but the, I don't know what really else you guys got any other questions on So things. one of the things we had talked about, I know it had been posted, is having, you have the roll-off coming up September 19th. Have you thought about doing more dates for roll-offs to try to get maybe more money in there, more entrance, maybe even people rolling off more than once? Because I know even now it's so tough. I mean, doing the Candlepins, I think you do, what, six roll-offs now? I do uh, I do four weekends. Four weekends. I know we tried talking about maybe like a Wednesday. It's tough. We had we had somebody in here earlier um, a couple of weeks ago talking about, you know, he was a single dad or a divorced dad, and he could only pick certain weekends that he could bowl. So it might not just be that shifts are needed because it's full. It might just be people, and you need shifts to have more participants oh, and more availability yeah. for people. And maybe you get that more... You know, and, and with anything else, the more participants, the higher the money. The right. more the money, the more participants. It kind of all falls in right. together. And if that's something that you thought of at all, doing more shifts, maybe to get. And some people may not be happy with the way they bowl and want to roll off again. I don't know if you'd be up for that. I know we do that here. Oh, you mean like say if somebody threw like a six eighty, another guy? I, I'm just trying to understand your question. Yeah. So if a guy rolls off, you know, for, to try out for the show, and you know goes five ninety, and he knows that's not going to make the cut, and you do another uh, roll off on the twenty sixth. Let's just say as like a different day. A different day. But for the same tournament. For the same, same tournament. tournament. Yeah. So yeah. so again, New England Candlepins does four roll offs. They take the top sixteen yeah. and bracket it. So obviously you can't be in there twice. If you're ranked two at 14, you're just number two. Right. But you get to re-enter and try right. to, to... So you don't knock your... anybody off. In other words, the guy throws a 680. Yeah. But and if you come back and throw a 700, throw. you would knock him down, yeah. So, so yeah. basically you would just take... So say you have three roll-offs and you have 30 guys per roll-off. You just take your top... You said top five make the show, right? Yeah. yeah so your top five out of those three roll-offs, those are, those are TV bowlers. Out of those three roll-offs, so yeah, you have yeah. three shows? Or, no, just, just the three, one show. So just the one show. And then you just have three roll-offs. I mean, you have the three roll-offs, and then oh, out, of, out of all so those scores. All the, all the roll-offs together. you're talking about a re-entry, is, I'm, I'm confused. You could do a re-entry. So you, if somebody rolled off and did awful, they could come back the following week before the show happens, roll off again. And knock off somebody who's Possibly, already, yeah. yeah. Right, well, that's, well, you got to understand my era. 
Right, right, right. right. And this is well, actually he and I were talking about this because the Channel Five era. I don't. You had you uh, was it you were telling give me Peter Flynn another chance at you? He's willing to pay. You know, you're going to give Tommy yeah. Olson another chance at you. It, you know that. I'm not saying wrong here, but I'm saying my era. There were 30, 40 guys who could just right. Right, give them another chance. Right. They're going to come back and kill you. Oh, of course. Uh, I agree 100%. There was, there were, and that's the thing. There were so many more bowlers that, I mean, Roas filled. We don't necessarily have that now because, I mean, it's such a numbers game. I mean, the number of bowlers has dwindled so much. You guys are talking about getting more, more bowlers involved. Yeah. Because some people just might not be able to make right. the 19th for one reason or another. Yeah, they're Jeff Surrett. I can't give him a date. Yeah. On when we're going to have the uh, the, uh, the, t- the the TV the the recording or the the show, and uh, he backed out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't blame him. You know what I mean? What am I going to do? I can't. I got a plan. Right. So th- these little things are all going to work themselves out. Right. The first one's always going to be bumpy. Well, that's a, a, again. Maybe in the second one, which I will be doing, like third, I will have to do 20. But um, we'll, we'll do something like that. But the, I just got to get the first one in the books. We got to get yeah. the, the show going. You know, whoever comes in the top five, I want to pay the next 10 after that. What I'm looking forward, what I'm looking for is like a, like a mini pro tour, like where you would travel, you know, every two weeks or you'd go to a pro tour stop. And <clears throat> this one will just involve a TV show. Right. So at least you're paying off. So if there's 40 guys, you're going to pay, you know, uh, 15. Right. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get a ton of money, but they'll pay 15. And uh, the charity picks up the lineage. Okay. In the meantime, promoting my charity, the 50-50s are going to be for the charity. And um, again, the whole system, the whole thing I'm creating here, I hope, is no one loses. Right. There isn't somebody making a ton of money. The bowling alley is going to make money. The bowlers are going to get the bowl. Someone's going to win. Top 15, the guy's going to go. There's nobody losing, and my charity gets to 50-50s. Right. So that it's like a big circle of, hey, this, yeah. this should work. And that's something I'm trying to push out um, so everybody understands. I don't make a dime on none of this. Um, I never did. I mean, uh, when I had my charity events, one of them I had a, a dunking booth. <laughs> Um, all sorts of stuff in the backyard. I had a bar with a you know half an acre in the backyard. And uh, Joe Tavernese, <laughs> he couldn't get out of the dunking booth. He loved it. <laughs> Everybody's from him. But you had to pay. Right. You know to try to dunk them and yeah. things like that. So it worked, it worked good. But those kind of things, I'd like to get the bowling community into again. Right. But the thing I really want to do is let me run this by you guys. Uh, when we were, I put this out years ago, say if I was on Channel 5 or you were on Channel 5, and um, you're, you're, you're on a Saturday or Sunday every day. Now in a kids league, say it would be you, um, and you're on TV that day. I need you in here at the kids league, I'm gonna give you a hundred bucks. You show up at the kids league, it, you are on television. You're the pro on TV now. Mm-hmm. These little kids look up and, the, you know, who's ever running the place goes, see that guy right there? He's a pro bowler. He's on TV right now. These kids now get more enhanced. Yeah, right. I had this a long time ago, but I was not shot down. Maybe just, I didn't, maybe didn't want to pay. It wasn't 100 bucks back then. It was like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just never got done. I'd like to do that again because now with YouTube, 
You can even show it during, you know, uh, the older, the people who are a little older, actually my age. Um, bowling, if they see, you know, somebody's you know, big gun bowlers on the yeah. TV in that bowling alley, they're like, you know, I know this guy. And then they, also the guy's over there. These kids are going to go crazy. So we had uh, we had a kid in our kids' league here who uh, was coming down. I want to say from South Boston. It was a heck of a commute, and there's he's they're passing plenty of bowling alleys. Was it, so, Dor- was it Dorchester? Maybe it was Dorchester. Yeah. But they're passing other bowling alleys to get here. And at one point, I asked the dad. I said, hey, you know, how come you come all this way? Don't get me wrong. Love love that you're coming oh, yeah. down. And he said, my son loves the show New England Candlepins, and he wanted to bowl in the same house that they do New England Candlepins. No pins. kidding. So he told. I said, oh really? He's like, yeah. He loves Richie Myrick. That's what he told me. <laughs> So a couple weeks later, and my wife Kate actually was the one who uh, who thought of this. New England Candlepins happened to be being taped while the kids' league was still happening. So I went over and I grabbed Richie and I said, "Do you mind talking to this kid? You'll make his day." And Richie went over and he talked to the kid. Eyes lit up. He was so excited. He he got to meet Richie Myrick. Like yeah. it was really cool to see because you know for for people who are in the bowling community, you know. We're just friends. Right. But to see this kid look up to him like this is a TV star. Yeah. This is the guy I sit at home and I watch on, you know. You just made my home. You know, that's exactly yeah. where I want to go with it. And that's what, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. When a kid sees somebody on TV and they're winning money. Right. And it's a professional type looking thing, which these guys have already got set up. It's, I think it's going to be great. Um, you know, slow motion. It's going to have the uh, instant replay. It's going to be like watching Channel Five again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, except I, clearer. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember when I was a kid. Yeah, we'll keep the I, tapes. I felt the same way. Like I felt like everybody that was on that show was a superstar. Yeah. I didn't know any better. Like now, obviously, as an adult, I realize you know, just normal people. But I remember my first pro tour. It was at uh, Webster Mohegan uh, Mohegan Bowl, right. and I'm going over to my lane, and for some reason. Uh, Tommy wasn't bowling, but he was there. And he comes walking, and he's walking around the back. He's talking to people, and I'm just sitting there, like, like starstruck. Like, I've never seen this man in person before, but this is amazing. And I just... He walks by, he's like, I was like, hey, like, you know, how you doing? And he kept walking, I'm like... <laughs> you know, and, and we're just bowlers. But that's how that show made you feel, though. I know, you feel Dr. J walked by my bar on Mohegan Sun, and then I was pouring a draft, and he's walking right in front of me, and I went, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I didn't know what to say to him, so I know that feeling. He just looked at me and said, what's up, man? <laughs> Coolest guy in the world. Now, and he went inside, but... Uh, now, did you watch, I know you said you didn't really start bowling competitively until your 30s. Did you watch the show? When I had no choice in my house. Okay, so, uh, so your parents watched it, or your yeah, father my watched dad. it. Yeah. Um, my dad went to my first show, and we were bowling when, when it, my first time on ATV was in, uh, it was in Boston, what's the name of it, Sammy White's. Yeah. And uh, I won the first two and lost the third one uh, to um, Don Richmond. And um, so the next show came around, because I had one, the thing I like to brag about is like, when the show comes in in September, in our area, I had won five in a row at one point. Yeah. So, but um, so Jeff Atkins and them, I found out later, were like, "Yeah, you don't, you don't want to go on then. You know, you want to go on later. Get rid of the the big, big, big guns. Right, because you could only make it once. Yeah, because you once a year it was. So when I made the next show, I called up my 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 father. My mother answered. And I said, "Ma, I just want, I just want a, a show again. I'm all excited. That was my second time." And uh, she goes, your father's not going to there again. And I'm like, because my old man was like, you know, in his mid-70s then. Mm-hmm. 
and his heart won't take it. He's not going again. I'm like, oh, okay, man. <laughs> so I didn't say a word to him because he had had bypasses and all right. that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't realize he was so like the every ball, yeah, every single thing. He's like flipping out about it. I was there for three hours. So it was, uh, but they were gambling in the back of my first show. We brought Romanis, and they were all betting on, on me and stuff like that. I didn't know that till later. But that was. Then you know, I think they still do that now, probably. But you know, yeah, I don't think so. You know, they used to. Have, I remember when I was first bowling, like in that X lanes, they used to have these gangsters come in, and they would bowl, and there, there was a lot of noise, and you don't know. You're like, you know, you're really, really young. And you're watching. You don't know what they're, what they're doing, but uh, they were all gambling on, on each other. And um, Rory Santanello uh, uh, became one of my a guy who used to watch. He laid that ball down. You're like, wow, look at that guy. And I felt bad for him because years later, I called him up because he was like a, a guy I really admired. He's only five years older than me, and six years older. And uh, I said, Roy, you want to try out for a doubles Channel 5 thing? And uh, to this day, I just felt so bad for that guy because he was so good. But I don't think he, this was different for him. And I threw a 720-something, and he threw like 540. Oh, no. And um, he was heartbroken. Because if he had just thrown like a 580, we were in. And um, it was at the downtown lanes. I always felt bad for that kid. But I, I, he was like the guy, I, you know, yeah. one of the guys you really look up to when you're young. Yeah. And uh, anyways, another story. <laughs> so coming from the western part of the state, like a lot of those guys don't really get showcased a lot. Or people don't really talk about them as much. Now, now who would you say, obviously Charlie Atkins, who would you say were some of the best Western Mass guys that you've seen? Steve Reno. But he was kind of in the middle. Maybe not Steve Reno. So Johnny Miller was real, real good. Um, Jim Orlandi. These are guys I actually copied when I bowl. If you watch when I bowl and I go like this, yep. that's Dutras. If you watch when I go like this, mm -hmm. that's Jim Orlandi. These guys were big, big bowlers. Dick Smuss, um, real, real good bowler. Um, some of the older, old timer guys, but um, Dave Romani, you ever see him throw a ball? Oh, yeah. Hey, he scare you. I mean, he threw that ball sometimes, but I don't see anything, you're breaking his wrist. You're like, Dean, he's scary, he's a scary looking guy. I mean, throwing the ball. <laughs> the long hair, the band. Oh, yeah, the band, band. band, and he had that ball, and then he'd turn around and look at you, and you're like, I don't want to bowl that guy. I, I always thought he probably threw just as hard as close to Ashline anyway. Oh, yeah, oh, easy. And he was accurate. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll never forget Ashline when I first met him. Again, I was still new on the thing, and we were in Natick. It was a 10-stringer. And after five, it was, he walked up. He was leading with a 1340, whatever. I don't know what it was. And I just remember his voice by me. I didn't know who he was. And he goes, look at this guy. Look at him. He's got a 70-plus half again. And I turned around, and I threw, like, uh, the next five strings, I was terrible. I didn't, I didn't like 12-something. But I'm like, I found out it was Joe Ashline, one of these big-name bowlers. And I was like, oh, cool. At least he noticed me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so if you had to pick, who would you say is your favorite bowler? Either to watch or just to be around or just oh, anything be around? or idolized? Oh, man. Because um, I'm f I, I'm one of them guys that's just full of, like, I can't say it on this thing. Um, oh, to be around? I would have to say Atkins was great to be around. He, uh, it was always a calming thing with him. I mean, when we're bowling against Maine, and Jeff 
pulled me, and I had just run like a 140 or something, and he pulled me, and I'm like, what the hell? So we got into the last string, and there was two boxes, uh, four boxes left, and you could put in a, 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 we were losing. I'm not, again, I'm not patting myself in the back. It's just Jeff had this. Um, Coach's eyes. Yeah, yeah, just, he, it was just, he had a gift. And so he, he pulled me after the second string. I'm like, what the hell? Then he put me in, you know, halfway through in the, the third string, and we were down. And uh, you get down to the last two boxes, and we were down, I don't know, 20-something pins, and I threw a trip. <laughs> and I looked at Jeff, I'm like, how the hell did you know this was, you know, I, 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 it was weird. You know, but that's how Jeff was. And now you put me in, I never bowled anchor. And it was kind of weird for him. Then he did it again in the, in the semifinals, or in the finals, he did it twice, actually. In the finals, in, in the semi and the finals, it moved me from a not one spot to anchor again. And it was something that, that's why I love that team. You know, Dick O'Connell was probably one of the top guys we had on the team. He was bowling first. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I remember yeah. thinking that, I'm like, you're gonna use this guy at first? Genius move. Right. You know, because already we're up by 40 pins. Because he's bowling, they're putting on their guy who's, and then the Canadians, we actually learned that from the Canadians. Yeah. They put on their top guy, but Jeff's the one who saw that. So for me, and he was a good guy to be around, his calming for me, he hated bowling me. I beat him a lot. <laughs> And in uh, these things, not a, not mean, but they were just. But he never took it. Jeff never took it like blah, 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 like that. He was never that guy, and he was just a pleasure to be around. Dick O'Connell was a lot of fun because he throw right, he yell right at you, when you think you would lose his concentration, then throw a strike. Yeah, of course. You know that type of guy. Stevie Reno, energy. I'm talking about the guys I was close to. I mean, you're sleeping with these guys for a week, for you know, ten years. We're doing this for a week right. and stuff. And um, but to sit next to somebody, Jesus, and there's just so many. I mean, I love sitting next to Peter Flynn. He's got stories that are just fantastic, you know. And he told me the other day, like a couple weeks ago, actually, we're bowling, and he's like, uh, you know, if he had this guy come up to me, he's, you know, Peter, I remember bowling me. He goes. No. <laughs> and he goes, Alfie, what am I supposed to do? I bowled so many times, I can't remember yeah, all these people. Right. <laughs> I got your feet. You know. We, we have a, a guy, he's a house bowler now, but he used to bowl competitively until like the mid-80s. His name's Mike Cassidy. He made Channel 5 once. Nice. Or, or twice. One, once singles, once at the double show. He got a different job, and then he just stopped bowling. And he's like, oh, I made Channel 5 once. I said, yeah, who'd you bowl? He goes, I got Peter Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> I said, should I ask how that went? He goes, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, he goes, he didn't even really bowl that well, but he went 390. Yeah. You know, I said, well, what did you bowl? He goes, I went like 355. I said, okay. That's, I mean, like, respect respectable. Respectable. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He goes, I can't complain. He goes, but I'm bowling Peter Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to, like, you're looking at that guy going, at you. He sounds like he already went in and knew he was going to lose. I mean, for somebody who isn't on, hasn't been on TV for like your very first yeah. time, and you know who Peter Flynn is, it's tough. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, your first show, you get matched up against Peter Flynn's kind of tough. And then you've watched him on TV already, yeah, yeah. twenty times. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never thought of that. No, no. He's told me this story. I th you told it again while we were at Exeter a little while ago. With like Carrington was there. The first, and you're probably going to have to bleep this out, um, <laughs> your first experience with like Gary Carrington worked. Well, Atkins asked me to bowl in the States um, 
uh, team event, at, and it was at the State Bowl, which is a tough house. And um, so Dave Romani, Johnny Miller, Jeff Atkins, me, and uh, I forget the other guy was. Anyways, I had gotten up and uh, I didn't know anybody. I was brand spanking new because Jeff just asked me to go on because I saw me as an up-and-comer and gave me a shot, you know. And I threw a 10 box, whatever, I threw the first box, then I threw four strikes in a row. So I'm over back in the back of the wall, I'm like all nervous still, I'm like, holy shit. And um, Carrington comes up and uh, he looks at me, he just walks right up to me. He looks at me and he goes, who the f are you? <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. So, I go over to Jeff. I said, Jeff, some crazy guy just come up. And I said, what guy? I said, that guy right over there. He goes, oh, that's Gary Carrington. Don't mind him. <laughs> so a while later, we were bowling a 10-stringer. It was at Baldinelli's. I ended up throwing like a 180-something in the 10-string. And uh, again, I'm just still new to this whole thing. And um, we go out to the car. I ended up winning it with that last string. And we go out to the car. And I'm riding shotgun. Jeff's driving. And all of a sudden, Right on the window. I look up, it's Carrington again. I rolled on the window and I'm like, this guy's nuts, right? He goes, who the f are you? And, and then he just walked back in the ball alley again. I'm like, damn, this guy's cuckoo. But he really wasn't. He's, that guy could, my God. Yeah. There's another guy, if you got up next to bowl, you were scared. He could bowl, bowl. That guy, he's, you know, he, he got into the Hall of Fame and told him he didn't want it. Yeah. Well, I think there's more to I know what the more is, but I, you know, I'm just saying. But no, I know. Um, I, I, he don't care. It's, it's, he's a, it's an amazing, but man, could he bowl. I, you know, the guy was so accurate. It, 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 fascinating. But now he's not bowling no more. That's who I ran into, too, when I first, when I first got there. Uh, Carrington was there. He's a big guy now. He was outside with us. But I, got, I didn't see, uh, but the place was packed full of people bowling. I'm like, hey, bowling's still going. Yeah. But I was so weak that I couldn't even throw the ball 20 yards. But then I got stronger and uh, I just got back into it. But mentally, I got to get back into it. That's why I'm bowling two, two times a week. Um, I'm 66, but I'm in pretty good shape. I think I can, my back hurts a little bit every now and then. But you know, once you're focused, you don't feel anything. Right. You know, um, I thought I bowled pretty good the other day. I you know, thought you bowled excellent. my age. Um, but Bowling Richie, the energy that kid's got. Makes you feel young again. <laughs> yeah, like he's jumping around in the back. <laughs> I mean, literally jumping around. Yeah. Uh, he's a fun guy to, uh, to bowl, and he's sitting, and he's, and he's dead center. He, I think he was unhappy when we didn't make it to the next round. And I'm like, Richie, we cashed. You know, we got our money. Every time we work, you and me bowl, we get, we make money. Right. right. We don't lose. Can he say that? Every time that he bowls with you, you guys cash. Yeah, we cash every yeah. single time. I remember, like, uh, when I was bowling it, the first time with him, I threw 149 in the first string. Uh, and I, because he had, had me so built up, I'm like, <laughs> I got to bowl really good. But that was fun. I, I said, I'm going to do it. That's, I think that, when he asked me that, getting me back in the game, that was the throwing 149 the first string. I was like, and it was at Libby's place isn't that that easy. No, because no. I bowled there really bad. So a couple of times we had stuff. I, I can't hit this house. I, and I threw a, a 649 the first time I was there, but I was on the right side of the house. Hit all these other stuff on the left side of the house, but I don't know if that was 
that don't mean anything. I just put that in your head like it means something. It really doesn't. But like, why can't I pull down that other end? Because I did good before. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that all the time. Some houses upstairs, downstairs, what part of the house you bowl in, I've heard. Yeah. It depends on the house. Gets in your head. Yeah. But did you, when you came back, did you feel almost immediately like that camaraderie again and that, that family aspect to it that you had back when you were bowling and you're, you know, back in the glory days of bowling? Did, did it have any of that well, it was, lore to it? It was different. I mean, that day I went to uh, Leo's, there was this kid bowling. And I'm watching him, and man, this kid's good. So I was just watching him, and then he's walking by me, and I said, hey, kid, I said, uh, man, you throw a beautiful ball. He says, well, coming from you, that's really good. There's another reason I kept bowling was this story. And uh, I goes, what? You know who I am? He says, oh, yeah, you're Ralph Johnson. I've seen all your stuff on YouTube. I was like, thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, he was 19 years old. Yeah. This, so I'm this, like, how does this kid even know me? The digital era with Facebook, and I've said it a million times with Candlepin Chat, I think it's the greatest thing for the game. YouTube has been fantastic because all that those tapes that we were able to keep, because I know a lot of them are long gone, but the tapes that we were able to keep, people are remastering. And you brought up Brendan O'Dowd as one of them. I think Frank's done a lot of that as well. Yeah. And then there's other people that I'm sure I'm forgetting. And I'm Mike, like, Mike Sweeney. Mike Sweeney's one of them right. as well. That's why we'll have those guys. I love those guys doing what they're doing because yeah. they're into the game. And I, and I think there's such such importance to watching that I don't want to say old bowling but the bowling of you know prior years and then you have New England Candlepins we've had King of the Palace and I know that's handicapped but then Classic Candlepins your show I think is going to be another phenomenal one um, yeah. we've said it before this is the one that I think people have been waiting for I think this something feels really special about this one no offense to New England Candlepins but this something feels like this can take that next step I don't know, but I'm hiring a guy doing New England candle pins, so that's always <laughs> To be fair, all I do is schedule roll-offs and tapings. That's literally all I do. I'll tool on it all day long, and you won't be offended then. No, but, <laughs> and, no, but it is a great show, and I think... But I think this has a lot of potential to, to bring back a lot of the, that feeling of what it was before. But even Bobby Whitcomb, when he was on New England Candlepins, when he came off after the, uh, I think it was his, he had two matches, right? Or yeah, he, I think so. After the second match, he said it kind of made him feel, you know, under the lights again. Yeah. Felt, felt like That guy's a, one of the nicest men you'll ever yeah. meet. And he's a hell of a bowler. We'll so, be, and we'll he's such a down. kind man. And we'll be sitting down with him tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, to yeah. Tell him I said I. I will. He is like... One of the nicest always, guys. Always happy, always nice to see you. And then, you know, whether you're bowling against him doesn't matter. He's just one of them cool dudes. You know, smiling at the big ass. He's a big giant guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he throws a phenomenal ball. Usually big giant guys don't do that. And he doesn't slide. He just, he just like, plants his foot. Yeah. It's, well, if you watch Charlie Milan, um, he had a short boom, boom, and he fired. He was almost at the line before he went. Yeah. I mean, he'd walk up there and boom, boom. So I asked Jutris one day. I said, Charlie, he goes, Alfie, less steps you take, more accurate you're going to be. That's what I was told. Yeah. So I, I tried doing that and ended up taking a half a step for me to start. I switched my bowling to a little tiny step with my right foot, then went one, two, three. And that really... That's, that, that's literally, that's all I do. I mean, I've, my approach used to be longer. I used to take a lot bigger first step, and then, it, you know, less steps, more less room for error. Yeah. You know? While well, I was moving around. I joke with people because I used to be back on the tile, and I say the older I get, the closer I get. The <laughs> <laughs> knees, the back, and everything but else. For me, if any like, younger people are listening, I just copied other bowlers. Yeah. That's literally what I did. Yeah. Um, well, Paul Berger said he he got a lot watching other people bowl as well. Yeah, he said he didn't yeah. talk to people, but he, he watched. Exactly what I did. Yeah. Um, because the game is, again, I, I am 
I hate to harp on this again, but what the hell's Nesson doing? Yeah, I know. <laughs> this came back on TV from New England. But now, I wanted to ask, and then I forgot, and now I just remembered. Have you, with with your the Candle Pins for Cancer charity, have you talked to bowling centers as get involved as well? Because I feel like if bowling, and I had this conversation with Andrew Medeiros, I feel like if bowling got back on TV, that's good for everybody. It's good for the bowlers. I think it, I think it's going to be good for the networks. It's also good for bowling centers because you're flipping through the channels, you see bowling. Right. And why don't we go do that? And then that's how you get your league bowlers. And I think you get this upward swell. Um, you know, and I've had kids in the kids league that they'll end up leaving for soccer or baseball. I don't know if their parents think they're going to go pro, but they said, well, there's not really a career and candlepin bowling and I think to myself do you think your kid's going to play Major League Baseball like it's just kind of a weird mindset it's like getting hit by lightning twice yeah so to get there that far but but to see it on TV I think almost gives gives that that top of the miles that top of the heap feeling somebody you know one channel five you're the top bowler right now I don't think we have that real feeling I know there's the Pro Series event Worlds is huge but again that's a team event how do you how do you get that feeling again of who's the top bowler right now right the thing is getting on a network TV would be huge like channel five back and I have a clipping that I have it in my phone somewhere Uh, I took a picture of it the ratings oh yeah channel five was Higher rated than the Bruins and the Celtics combined, and they beat the Patriots. A few and, weeks. and like and, and beating the Celtics in, yeah, in, in the eighties, like, in like eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, this isn't the you know two thousand six Celtics that won seven <laughs> games. At the time they had it, you know, 12, you know, 12 o'clock in my area in Western Mass, you yeah. guys have eleven. They didn't have on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, we were so saddened when that show went because it, there's a top of the hill you can get to, and that's it. That's what you strive for. And um, that's been taken away. With this, I'm trying to give a good prize. Right. See, now everything's kind of based on money. So, yeah, I'm charging $80 to get in, but I paid $80 yesterday to get in the doubles right. the other day. Right. So I'm like, oh, this isn't that bad. So I was basing it on getting 80 bowlers. Right. But even if I get 40, oh, the one thing I left out of this, the entry fee for the bowlers is the bowlers. That money goes to the prize fund. I don't use it at all. So the more bowlers I get, like yeah. you said earlier, the right. more it's going to the prize fund because in this in this case, all of it's going to the prize fund. Yeah. Right? So I get 40 bowlers times eight, it's 3,200. You guys are splitting that money up somewhere. Right. Okay, whereas I'm not taking any fee to run it. I asked Stevie Reno, I said, I give you this, you know, to help me. He goes, I don't want anything, I'll do this for free. Right. You, <laughs> so everybody else wants to do this for free. Which is makes my heart sore, you know. It really, really does. Right. It's like it's amazing to me. Well, even um, the tournament we do here out on the Bear, some people complain about it, but we've always been in a relatively top-heavy tournament. And the reason I was bringing up the money, because as you said, everything goes after the money. And there's a whole other podcast that's going to air about this, so I don't want to take up too much of the airtime of it. But you look at, we did two or three. The top prize was a couple hundred bucks. And then we had a sponsorship from Michael Legender. He said, guarantee 500. If you fall below that, I'll kick in more money. And then I think the prize ended up being 600 because once we post that, it, it started to go up. Then it was right. 1,000. We've paid $2,000 for the winner twice. And I think that's why, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's why there's so many people bowling in it time and time again. And that's one of the reasons I brought up. If you did multiple shifts, you get more money in there. You say there's a golden prize at the top, more money. And, you know, obviously we want nothing but success for this tournament that you're running. And it was just an idea that I had thought. And, and I know what you're saying, too. How many time, how many chances do you want to give Surrett to right. go 700 on you? Like, But I need Surrett. Right. Um, the guy's a pleasure to watch. He's a gentleman. 
Um, I remember when I first met him, he put, I was just walking by, and uh, we were, I was just visiting around. I don't know what I was doing, but I was in a bowling during a world's event. And I was just walking by, and he stopped, and I looked at him. I said, hey, how you doing? And he put out his hand, and he said, you know, Al Johnson, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. I was like, wow. You know, because this kid is, he, he's not a kid, but that, that guy can bowl. Right. I and mean, it looks like he doesn't even try. And it's, I remember Jeremy was bowling uh, the 10th string over at Spare Time. I know we told this story on another podcast, but I don't know if you had heard it. In the ninth string, Jeremy texted me. He said, okay, I'm in second place. I said, who's in first? He writes back, Surratt. I said, how close are you? He said, if Surratt gets in his car now and goes home, I need a 116 to beat him. <laughs> no, he didn't. So, <laughs> gets in his car and goes home. That's a great line. Yeah, so. it, it, he went like 1370. I think it was. It was like 1369, 1370. I was third with like 12. Yeah, Dean Sullivan was throwing a big 10th game to jump Jeremy for second. But. See, a guy like that, I mean, when we had the big pro tours, you would see people shift. Like, the, the you know, people that are there watching. Yep. Like, they go down there watching Nicky Moop, now they're watching Flynn Moop, now they're watching Tommy. And I was always like, I want them watching me. And uh, I never know if they did or not, because you can't tell because you're not even looking. Yeah. Right. But um, I, I would notice that. And that that's another growth thing that that you strive to be. Like, I'd like to be as good as these guys. I remember watching Lipke, I couldn't believe how good he was. I was like, how, how's this guy doing this? Yeah. He's a big guy too, and he lays that ball down, and he's boom, 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 accurate, accurate. I see him, I think he threw like seven or eight marks in a row at a Natick when I was watching him in a tournament. It's like, holy smokes, I can't do this. But actually, you, you can. You just gotta just put your mind to it. And you're, we all have the, the ability, but it's in your head. In my, my opinion, it's in your head. You can't just say, oh, I threw the thing right. Yeah, you did it. Nobody else. Right. I remember bowling a ACST match against Anthony Karen up at Lakeside. And, you know, I was bowling okay for me. And then I happened to turn around, and I, it wasn't very busy at the house. I think we were bowling during the week or something, and nice day. And so Tim actually put down a chair and started watching us bowl. And I got so nervous, and I forgot how to bowl for, like, five boxes. And finally I had to tell myself, like, you know how to do this, just bowl. And but Because I know how good he is and how good he was. And there was just something about that. He's going to think I suck. Like it was, <laughs> No, I know exactly what you're thinking. So, But I, um, I got... When I won my third, he was the only other bowler to do it, to win three pro tours in the same year. And uh, that made my day. You know, I didn't even know until he said it, that he told me. And then I ended up with the highest average ever in the pro tour, which I really, I relished that more than kind of anything. What was the average? I don't remember it, but I, oh. I don't, I'd have to divide it up again. It's like 130 something, but it's insane. Um, but um, it was for six tournaments and five. I had. And, and believe it or not, that's my favorite accomplishment that I've ever done Yeah. in this game. It's it like, to be so good for so so many games. Well, right? especially like in that one year. But, yeah. um, but again, back to those guys to try to get to them. And that's where I think the show needs to go. Right. To these younger guys who have all the ability in the world going, well, I got to beat Jeff Surratt. Right. I got to beat, uh, who are so many other big guns? Uh, these, well, there's uh, Baker, there's Boudreaux. Baker, I mean, Boudreaux. Yeah, yeah. Boudreaux is phenomenal. Yeah, Barber. Uh, Barber, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah they're, they're, tour, they're great to watch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they really put on a good now show. Now I feel like one of those people I could keep going on. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, they're great to watch. But those are the guys you got to strive to get to to get to the show. Yeah. Then you got to do it. There is no if, answer, but. I, again, I was on a pro tour for like two or three years before I... Right. I even got any shot at getting close to them. And I think, too, if you have these big shows, these big prizes, these big accolades, 
you get more people that maybe that 117 bowler says, who maybe only bowls one day a week and has a 117 average decides, well, I want to be on that show. Now they join a second league or maybe they bowl in two separate houses to try to get better. Now you get this upswell of people, that, of talent, I think. One thing I'm worried about is uh, on YouTube is who's going to see it. There's anybody who posts on Facebook. Just bowlers. You know what I mean? We, I mean, if you ever look at the comments, even the Atlanta Candle Pens, and, and, you know, I'm not knocking anybody who bowls in an eyeball on it, but you don't have Surrett, you don't have Boudreaux in those in those leagues. I mean, you still have Jeremy bowled in it, Sean Taylor's bowled in it, so there's a lot of great bowlers in there. Winchell's in that league. But you get these comments from people because people hit share, and then it pops up somehow. I don't know how the algorithms work on Facebook. But you all of a sudden you have people saying, you know, I'm watching from Wisconsin, I'm watching from Texas. Oh, yeah, I've seen those, yeah. So that's kind of cool to see as well, you know, how hard is this really? And then people will start having in the conversation and next time we're in New England we'll have to try this so I think it's more than you think I mean you look at Paul Berger's match um, the 500 it's got 243,000 Facebook views I just looked at it the other day so I think there is going to be people seeing it people sharing the views they got on my stuff you can look. I got a computer up. I'm just kidding. I don't want to know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to try and find it to look at, you know, what I get for, for views when I post a New England Candleman show. But I know over total, I mean, I have over 20,000 views on some of my, like, no, combined no. shows. Yeah. And then if it gets that's that. That's where am I going to get my charity. That's where the charity comes in. That's right. My, my worry wasn't about that so much. It was about getting my charity out there into the public where eventually yeah. I take these shows, go to Nesson, say, you guys, could you put this on at 3 o'clock in the morning? And I, and I think there's the potential for that. I don't know if that'll work, but you get, sometimes you need a political edge. Yeah. You're really doing anything that we're going to move, and they're going to want something for it, which I'm not going to do. So I'm not going to pay anybody to help me. Right. <laughs> just, just not. I mean, like, uh, to, to push it into a political type the situation, you know, where you know this guy, I can get you in this guy. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and just uh, to recap again, if anybody wants to send a donation, to, uh, what's the address? Yeah, at, uh, 467 High Street, unit number 8, uh, Hampton, New Hampshire, 03842. Thanks for that. No, and is there any care of or anything like that? They just write it right out. No, the care of Al, Alfred Johnson, but just, just the address for it uh, is Candlepins for Cancer, 467 High Street, unit 8. Um, Hampton 03842. Thank you so right, much. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, thanks for doing this, especially yeah. promoting this. It makes me, yeah, it made me feel young. <laughs> man, Alfie's got a lot of stories, man. We probably could have talked to him for another two, three hours. Easy. Oh, easily. He's and, a funny, funny guy. Yeah, and I know we say this all the time, but that, that was one we actually had to cut short. It got to the yeah. point where we needed coverage at the front desk, so yeah. we had to cut it short. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to be willing to make another two-hour commute, but Alfie, we would love to have you come back because there's a few stories he said that he's like, ah, I won't get into it. And I felt like maybe if we have a part two, we can get into the story. Like, it felt like there was a lot. I, I think there was more stories to be told for sure. I think so. And I, I love just hearing how much he has put time into his charity. Yeah, and absolutely. Working so hard to get help for people in the bowling community. Exactly. And I think, too, like, we were talking about having, when New England Candle Pens airs, maybe even seeing a friend on TV will put a scroll under there, because it's not a company. It's not an advertisement. It's, right. it's looking for charitable donations. And I, I think, and I know we talked about it before, and I know there's a lot of great shows out there, and there's, there's been a lot of great shows. I, this feels like it could be something. I like agree. something... That next step, mm -hmm. that next step, and maybe a lot of the stuff that has been done in the past has kind of led the foundation, and maybe shouldn't go anywhere. But just, it, I think this could be something big if uh, if all the things he's saying come through like he's hoping for. But we do have some tournaments that have already taken place. 
Uh, we had the Masons King of the Hill. We had the returning champ champ, Mike Nardone, who came from the Pro Series, which we're going to get into a little afterwards. And the four bracket for that one was Anthony Karen, Mark at number four, Mark Uvard at three, Jim Nestor at two, and Dave Peterson at number one. Mark Uvard over Anthony Karen with the handicap 112 to 98. Jimmy Nestor over Mark Uvard 109 to 93. And this is again with the handicap. Jim Nestor beating the number one seed, Dave Peterson, 117 to 90. And then Jim Nestor in a, looks like a 12 box match, took down the champ champ. So he's no longer champ champ, just one champ. Just one champ? Just one champ. Uh, Mike Nardone and the tie, so it was 206 to 206 for the two strings. But the tiebreaker, two boxes was 18 to eight. I guess Nardone couldn't catch him with the spare and hit the hit the button. So that's the uh, explanation for eight. But also, not only congratulations to Jim Nestor for becoming the new king of the hill, and I'm basically reading this word for word from Anthony Karen. We also pass his congratulations along and congratulations for us, from us as well to Dave Peterson for hitting the 1710 jackpot. Unfortunately for Dave, uh, they have a rule that once it gets over $200, you have to bowl in it five times. I guess if you hit it, it looks like you get 50%. So we still walked out of there with $153 nice. plus whatever the winnings was. So $153 does roll over, so there's plenty of money back in there if you want to go back next week uh, to try to take down the new reigning champion, Jim Nestor. And I think that's all we have. I don't see an update for when the next uh, Mason's tournament's going to be, but we can get into that when we start doing the schedule. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll hear from Phil Clough, or or, or maybe he just posts the bogey ones. Phil Clough does the bogey. I think Anthony Karen mostly posts okay. the Mason's one. All right, uh, we have quite a few highs. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them happen in one building. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, well. We have Jeff Walsh through his new high triple. I believe it was the Friday Night Pro League. I think he did it. It's a good place to do it. Uh, 445. Not a bad high three. I believe he had a 179 in there, I think. Helps. I yeah. mean, I threw a 175 and didn't break 400, so you still got to put two more together. Yeah. Congratulations to Jeff. That's a phenomenal score. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, we had... One of our house bowlers, Bob Canton, threw his first triple strike. I saw that. Uh, I was here. It was a Monday night league. Not a super competitive league. And first night of the season opening, threw a 91 half to open. I think he finished with a 139, so I'm sure he wanted a better back half of the game. But 91, and and I think Bob is like a 92, 93 average. But there's a guy who's been bowling. He sponsors Outrun the Bear a lot. Can construction. Free plug. You're welcome, Bob. But he comes in every Sunday, and he bowls on that Sunday special that we have. Always working to get better. And it's, it's cool to see somebody who's putting the work in mm-hmm. I don't think he ever is aspiring to become a professional bowler I think oh, he God, just no. enjoys it he loves it just to see him getting better and hitting those accolades that maybe he didn't think were possible just a few years ago right he also built my deck How, uh, is it pretty stable good I I can walk on it but then again I mean okay. <laughs> look at me I've walked, have I walked on it yet or no you have okay so if I can walk on it and it's still standing that is a solid deck so endorsement from us for uh, Canton Construction honestly seriously if you need any work done yeah. from him he does phenomenal work absolutely so then what else do we have for highs uh, we have a lot of highs these are the ones that came out of the same building uh, at the Pro Series in Portsmouth our own Chris Parkinson which a lot of people are coming up to me going who like who is this guy yeah. like, I've, I've never I've, I've never seen him, him before I've with Chris for years awesome bowler very I know people joke about you being you know a quiet assassin you want to talk about a guy that says 
nothing. Right. <laughs> just goes up there, throws, and minds his own business. Right. And there's people that just go, like, who is who is that yeah. guy? And then they throw a ball and go. Oh. oh. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> he's very good. Needs to put himself out there more. I just, you know, I remember having a conversation with him about when he's like, you know, I know I'm not the caliber of a bowler as such, you know, as Jeremy and other people. I said, you're there. You know, I, I know there's that top tier when we were talking to Alfie about it, your Surrettes, your Bakers. I'm not saying Parkinson's at that level, but he's in that next tier down. He just he's not even at that level. Well, that, that's, but he, he's in that that tier right there. And, you know, a couple, some more experience and some more games in there. I think you, you got to look out for Parkinson. Absolutely. So he threw his high five, which helped himself and Ken Dubray qualify for the for the knockout round. He threw a 657. Yeah, that's a that's a great five. And Kenny was supposed to be my partner. I know we were talking about it for a while. I actually uh, messed up my leg the Wednesday before. I uh, wasn't able to bowl and then unfortunately um, we want to pass along our condolences. Dennis Green lost his mother. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Chris was supposed to bowl with Dennis. So things kind of worked out that Kenny and Chris were able to bowl together with me being not able to bowl and Dennis of course having to deal with the loss of his mother, Correct. which is of course very tragic. And I'll tell you, I don't think Kenny was super upset that I didn't go. <laughs> Although he did keep telling me, he goes, he's got to go to the doctor. He's got to go to the doctor. I'm like, he's not going to go to the he's doctor. Not, he, Kenny, I'm not going to the doctor. <laughs> I told him that. He said, he's not going to go. Um, two people hit their high fives on the same team. Did, were they the number one seed? They had to be, right? They were the number one seed. You have Matt Nichols goes 705. Tim Douglas goes 701. 701, mind you, with a 98 string. So he went, what, 603 for four? 603 for four. He had two triple strikes in eight boxes. Timmy, if he didn't throw that 98, you'd be a good bowler. You know, you got to work on that. It's, a, it's the fourth game. It's the fourth game yeah. every single time. But way to bounce back at the two 700s on the same team. That is that is tough. I mean, you talk about 10 stringers. Yeah. Say that's a 10 stringer for one guy. That's a 1400, what, 1406? Yep. That's that's a good number back anytime. Yeah. I mean, I mean, kudos to Andrew Medeiros. They put in new sidewalls. Yeah. I mean, the place was moving. Well, I know. I, I sent a message to you, and I said, you know, it seems like it's a fast house with all those records, and uh, personal records coming down. And you had said it. Nothing was coming back on the ball. It didn't feel sloppy. Not a drop. So, I mean, that's uh, that's just taking care of your that's alley. The, that's the key. The key is making – if you're going to put anything – on the decks, yeah. You know, you got to do it right. Make yeah. sure nothing comes you off. You can't. The ball. You can't need people with you know three towels to get through their uh, their five games. Right. Exactly. Uh, Tim Douglas's brother Scott threw a one seventy and a six forty two. Yeah, it's a both highs for him as well. So yep. two more. We have Marco Laughlin threw his first four hundred in almost ten years. Went yeah. four eighteen. That's awesome. I, he he posted he feels like a forty year old kid in a candy shop or something like that. <laughs> so that's awesome to hear. And then another one I just saw a couple hours ago. Patrick Kellogg says. He thinks he threw his uh, his new high five. Yeah, or the I think he's an alley cat bowler or down the Cape Yarmouth that area. I think oh, he bowled with, like Pete Richardelli. He bowled in the handicap out on the bear. Yeah, and I remember trying to get him the ball in the uh, semi pro ACST, and he said he's not that caliber yeah. bowler yet. But you know, you keep putting up highs, and you know, five twenty. Well, now you got to make the five twenty right. fall to five. It, it may not seem like a lot. But yeah, you got to keep beating your own personal bests. Exactly, and, and that's uh, most of the leagues you're bowling in nowadays, except for maybe Sunday and Friday. <laughs> are all going to be handicapped. So Correct. you're really just trying to beat yourself game after game after game. So that is awesome news. Great to hear. Obviously, we have some pro bowlers putting up some pro numbers, and we have some guys that are more house bowlers looking to take that next step up, really starting to knock those walls down, which is awesome to hear. Yep. Speaking of pro bowlers, we had two huge tournaments, of course, and you're going to talk about the Pro Series event um, in a second, but we had the Exeter. I don't know the full details of it, and I don't have the full bracket results of everything, but they did have that Exeter four-person. I think it was two men, two women per team. Yep. The final four. There's not a name on here that 
doesn't belong up here. You have on fourth place, you have Norcross, uh, the Johnson sisters, and Lister. In third place, Merrill, Huff, Hapworth, and Huff. Um, in second place, you had Carrier, Mayor, Kerrigan, and Scribner. And the winning team, we had Jeff Surrett, Sonia Rossi, Amanda Carroll, and Tim Matero. I thought it was Jim Ladero. Jim Ladero is my favorite bowler from Maine. Tim Matero, I think he's an up-and-coming guy. I think if he gets a little bit better, he could be one of those top guys that can carry the team. He'll, he'll get there. One day he'll, he'll get there. He'll get there. No, of course, congratulations to the four of them. You know, obviously, Tim's one of the top bowlers out there. Uh, um, arguably, I mean, you look at his accolades, he's probably one of the, I'd say, top three best bowlers out of Maine of all time. Yeah, it's got to be up there for sure. Definitely, I mean, if nothing else, there's a conversation. So. Oh, 100%. But um, so great to see them win in that tournament. I mean, Jeff, Jeff won, uh, well, you can get into it a little bit, but Jeff had a pretty good weekend. Yeah. So so that's what we have for the Exeter uh, tournament. I think Deb Regan was a big part of that, and obviously Rob Ficarra. There's not enough good things that can be said about Exeter Lane. So and what do we have, Jeremy, you bowled in the Pro Series event. Uh, did you win? I did not win. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> so what did you have for, uh, for the Pro Series wrap-up? So this is the first time that I've been to Portsmouth since the Chicha tournament. And I tell you, like, the action is good. Yeah. Uh, like I just said, uh, they just put in brand-new sidewalls. I mean, things were moving side to side like, like you wouldn't believe, and you know, and the scores, the scores showed. Would we? Uh, let's see. I mean, our top qualifiers like uh, Matt Nichols, Tim Douglas, fourteen oh six. Yeah, they were the two PM shift. I remember. I think you were like in sixth place. No, you were third place, I believe, after the first shift. Correct. Second. Second place, and then you know, I'm looking at that, going, okay, I think they got to be top eight because you want to be oh, yeah. get the buy. And then Nichols sends me his scores, and I would, then I started looking at the list. I went, Where did they finish? I think. You guys finished eighth, right? We were the buy, and it was it was funny. Like Craig and I went twelve eighty one, and it was like consistent. I think I went like six thirty eight. He went six forty. Yeah, it's good Some, team. Something like that. Back and forth. And he, uh, I think it was forty three. It was forty three. So halfway through the second shift, you know, we're we're pacing back and forth, looking at the scores, and I think it was after the fourth string. He's like, you know, you got to look at to see who's over a thousand. For four, yeah. and we're looking, and he's like, "I don't know if we're gonna get a buy." That's crazy to go from. I, I know usually there's more shifts the second shift, but or more bowlers the second shift, I should say. But uh, to go from second to eighth, I mean, yeah. people put up some some scary numbers that second. And like I said, when Nichols sent me his score, I I was you know in shock. And, and uh, you know I love Matt Nichols. I think you know he even said it feels like every podcast we talk about him, and that's because bowling a lot of stuff. He's doing a lot of stuff. Absolutely. You you don't bowl a seven zero and don't get talked about. No. So I mean. To round out at least the buy anyway, the buy room, like picks. Yep. Nichols and Douglas at 1406. Ricci and Fuller went 1340. Surrett and Barber went 1334. Baker and McKinley, 1310. Godwin and Ayotte goes 1308. Mark Carrier, Matt Huff, 1303. The LaPierres, who are not brothers, Scott and Jeff. Oh, for real? Yeah, they're not brothers. Huh. I did not know that. You didn't? No. Is that your breaking news? No. Okay. And then myself and Craig Holbrook at 1281. And yeah, Mark Carrier was the top individual qualifying scorer. He went 717, 128, 178, 110, 119, 182. What was the, do you have the 24th on that list? 24th? Yeah. What did you need to just make the bracket? 1177. So still, so 117 average from the two of you guys. Yeah. Like that's no, that's not easy. So. so so to add another 
kudos to, to Chris Parkinson. They tied. Yeah. For the for that spot, and all of a sudden, so now he has to bowl a, a, a playoff string. Okay, so I didn't know about that. I thought I thought they went with like high. Nope. Okay. No, so twenty four and twenty five tied. So Ken DeBray and Chris Parkinson had to roll off against uh, Chris Winniars and Rich Lamone. Another good team. Very good team. And a team that, on paper, has more experience than mm-hmm. Parkinson and DeBray. But I mean, Chris got a little explosive, and you know they they, they put him away. But. Good. I mean, congratulations to them. That's that's not an easy team that right. you're up against either. And you're talking about experienced bowlers. They they bowled in worlds. So then, uh, where do we end up in the final fours here? So, so final four, you had Sorette and Barber against Ricci and Fuller, and then you had Alfie Johnson and Richie Myrick against McGinty and Daly. Now Myrick and Johnson took not only you guys down, but took the number one seed down as well. They did. So they had quite the run. <laughs> Richie is bowling very well right now. And that's so great to see. So, and then in the finals, you had Surrett and Barber against McGinty and Daly going for the repeat. Yeah, and that's definitely one of those matches, too, where you look at Surrett and Barber, and not that they're old guys by any stretch, but they've been around for a while. Those are the established bowlers. They're not as old as me. Not as old as you. Then so. you look at Daly and McGinty, and they're kind of like the young guns. Right. What a great match to kind of culminate in the ending of their world. 100%. It, that's a match that if McGinty and Daly win, almost looks like a passing of the guard a little bit. A little bit. So, but didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> no guard for you. So, not quite yet, but those two kids, if they stick with it, have plenty to win down the road. Oh, absolutely. So... For upcoming tournaments, of course, on the 19th, we do have Alfie's tournament. We obviously can't not talk about that and the Candle Pens for Cancer fundraiser that they're doing. Yep. All together with that, that's going to be on the 19th. We also have the draft for Exeter. So if you yep. sign up for that, I think the signups are uh, past you. I don't think you can sign up at this point. But, no, I don't think so. So that's going to be entertaining. I don't know, and I'll have to message Amy if they're going to post anything or how that whole draft is going to work. I know last time it was like a private link or whatever, but it'd be cool if it was a Facebook Live video. I'm not really sure why they don't just do that but that'd be fun yeah I, I, I would watch if it's not I'm sure I'm working so if it's not too busy I'd watch do so I get, do I get to do like the hat dance when I get uh, drafted I think we need to get 12 different hats with all the captain's names on them so that way when you do get drafted you can put the hat on so right and then I'll do a face we'll do a Facebook live you know acceptance speech and uh, you know I, I think it'd be great I mean we're looking for ratings right I absolutely. would absolutely do that so so we have that and of course I think it would be entertaining if you got picked up by Matero then you have the two podcasts cap, uh, <laughs> on the same team. What's better than that? That'd be... You know what? I, I would love to bowl with Tim. You'd be the new 10 feet of terror. <laughs> so, uh, no, so that we have that happen on the 19th. We also have, I believe, King of the Hill out in Agawam as yeah. well. And... Uh, I know the CPL tournament did get postponed. The following week on the 25th, we have Out on the Bear. We're still looking to get more yep. people uh, signed up for that. We're in the 60s right now. We've had a few dropouts here and there, which usually happens right around the time the payments become due. We have some dropouts, but we're still guaranteeing $1,500. I don't think we're going to hit that two grand mark. It's tougher to get. I mean, it's always easier to get the handicap. Of course. Ballers. I joked with Bob Canton. I said, uh, and even his brother, Mike, I said, oh, you, you threw the 139. You're going to bowling out on the bear, right? And he laughed. I said, you just throw 139. You can bowl against anybody. He goes, I can't do them together. And then Mike walked by. I said, Bob just signed you uh, you and him up for out on the bear. I'll see you guys on the 25th. You better not have. They didn't, but I'll work on them again next week. We'll see what we can yeah. do. 
but plenty of room for that. We're also uh, collecting money for uh, Matt DiTulio's family as well. Um, I've been in talks with his brother, Brennan, so my understanding of how it's going to work is whatever money we collect throughout the raffle tickets and then anything that's going to be sponsored for Out on the Bear, uh, we're going to do the live drawing on after the third round of Out on the Bear. We'll take a video of it. Um, I don't know how many tickets we're going to pull. Um, we're capping it at 100 bucks. So once the amount hits 100, we add a, another ticket. Is basically right. how we're going to do it. And then, so that's 50% of the prize fund, or 50% is going to go to the winning tickets, and then 50% we're going to. My, I believe I'm going to Venmo it straight to Brandon, uh, Brandon, and then he's going to do the GoFundMe. Um, some people said he should just donate it straight because I guess GoFundMe takes something. I'm not sure, but that's right. that was my understanding of that. We're also going to be collecting money day of as well. I'll have a basket out, so if anybody wants to kick more money into it, or if you want and you want to throw a little bit of money in there, but you know you can Venmo me. We're going to. I'm trying to be. I have a list of all the tickets on um, on Google uh, Drive, so that's all set up there. I think that's all we have for tournaments in September. I know Spare Time's got something going on in October a doubles tournament and then I believe we also had King of the River as well just started up as well yeah um I was searching for a little bit of results and I found that the first king of the 21-22 season is Moose oh nice we had a Moose that bowled here I don't think it's the same one. I'm going to assume it's not. Yeah. Fortunately, our moose is no longer with us. So. Yeah. Well, good to see that the name is staying with bowling. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. So as much as I love talking to Alfie, I've been waiting for like an hour and a half for this breaking news on Twister 2. I tried Googling a Twister. Nothing on Twister. Nothing on Twister? Nothing on Twister. So I don't think that's it. I looked up new horror movies. I didn't see anything. <laughs> my only other thought is that you're starting a third podcast, and I'm not going to be part of it. I think my wife would kill me if I started <laughs> a third podcast. So what is this breaking news? Uh, well, I am officially moving on from the bowling community. Well, working-wise. I have given given my notice at Riot Amusements. That's... Uh, Great news for you. Did you find something else? I did find something else. So great I, news for you. It's uh, going to be rough for us. <laughs> I got a job offer on Friday, and things were just kind of moving pretty quickly, and I, I gave my two weeks yesterday on Monday. So, I mean, obviously, congratulations to you. Super pumped for you. As I said, great for you. Sucks for us. But, you know, you plan on still bowling and everything else? Of, of course. I mean, I'll, I'll be around. So, just you might even bowl more stuff now that you don't have to work, you know, weekends and nights. Yeah, and, and that was that was really the big thing. It's just at, the, at this point, my daughter's seven years old. She's going to be eight in February. I've missed a lot of stuff. And, you know, it. my, my needs just... My family needs just changed drastically. So now I just have to understand. So obviously, you know, I work here at the Bowling Alley as well. So this directly affects me. Going to have to take some time to cope with it all. But the the, the big question everybody has, are we still going to be doing the podcast? We are not going anywhere. Perfect. Then I think I can live with this. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Are we still doing the show? Yeah. Perfect. Good. Okay, Fine. we can handle that. We'll rebuild everything else, but the, <laughs> the show the show must go on. Absolutely. So congratulations uh, to, you, to you, Jeremy. Uh, super pumped for you. And uh, obviously, it's not like you're going anywhere. We're still going to no. see plenty of you. But uh, wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. I just got futured endeavored? I don't even know what that means. And I said it. <sighs> I got John Laurinaitis. I'm so confused. <laughs> is this wrestling? <laughs> Ripping the rack will get it. Are you taking your talents there? Is that your new job offer? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, again, congratulations uh, to Jeremy, obviously to uh, everybody who won tournaments this week and to everybody who hit their highs. I think there's about 27 people's name on that list. And then I'm going to go grab a stiff drink to deal with the breaking news that I just got. So yeah, I'll go join you. Uh, who, do we have, uh, we have also news real quick. Uh, we do have... Uh, Kate and Carrie are going to be on the podcast for next week. Yep. Talking a little bit about the history of Out on the Bear and some marketing ideas I know that Carrie has had as well. So uh, once I'm done crying and getting over this, um, we can talk about that next podcast. Sounds good. All right. All right. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs>